This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramia. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on air community, and everyone's invited. Happy Friday to you. I'm Ramia Amuthan joining you in Toronto. And I'm Danielle McLaughlin from my home studio, also in Toronto. That is awesome. Danielle McLaughlin and I are kicking off the show together, and we're going to be spending a couple days together next week as well, Danielle. I'm looking forward to the shows that we're sharing, and we want to get into some conversation uh, and, and give everybody a lineup of what's coming up on today's show. Starting with Uber. Uber has introduced a new... John Beeler is going to give us the details on that on our app update. Gardener Susan Kearney will talk with us about plant families and some surprising relatives. Oh, I'm interested about that. The Chatty Bookshelf is a Friday staple. Ryan Huey today is going to tell us about a new book review website intended for teens and children. Sounds like a little bit of a plot twist. I'm very curious about that. Now, Danielle, as I said, today, Friday, February the 17th, is Random Acts of Kindness Day. And we wanted to spend some uh, time talking about this today. Maybe you can tell us why it's cool, like why this is a good idea, in your opinion. Well, first of all, who doesn't like kindness? Yeah, um, exactly. And, and, you know, and, and I guess we shouldn't really just relegate it to one day a year. I think most of us would be perfectly happy if people were kind to us the whole year round. Mm -hmm. But... Today, we spend some time talking about kindness and then also paying some attention to the acts that people perform that we may not remember to say thank you for. Just very simple acts of kindness. Well, you know, a neighbor who goes by and never fails to say hello or, or you know, somebody who spends a little time just having a chat with you when you're feeling low and suddenly you discover that you feel better. But one of the things that scientists have discovered is that being kind and performing acts of kindness is good for your health. Mm -hmm. That the uh, you know the, the hormones that make you feel happy are released when you do a good deed or when you do something kind for for somebody else. So you know, like so many other things, it turns out it's actually selfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole is there really an altruistic deed? That's question. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I thought about this the other day. I, I have a um, a family member by marriage who I have been driving to uh, her chemotherapy every week. And she's so grateful and so thankful. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you don't understand. I'm doing this for <laughs> me. <laughs> it's such a pleasure. She's the loveliest person. And I get to spend time with her in the car and we get to chat. You know, we, we can complain about um, shared family members. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and I always feel, you know, that the day is just off to a good start when I've got to spend time with her. Mm. So whereas she gets the ride, I, I get the rise and I Aww. just think it's lovely. That so, is so sweet. It's so nice for me. So Ramya, tell me, have you ever had people performing what they thought were acts of kindness that you might not have seen to be quite so kind? 
Oh, yes. I mean, I will preface it by saying intention, right? People have the best yeah. of intentions and want to be sincere in being helpful or kind. But I think, and maybe other people with disabilities can relate to this, I can almost 100% say yes, you can. Uh, because sometimes the intention doesn't go all the way and the, the things that happen, the interactions that I face, can end up feeling a little more... Uh, a word that you used earlier, Danielle, was like invasive, and yes. that comes to mind, or just you know, overbearing, um, uh, too much, too much help. And so, yes. one time, an example that I have is I was trying to pay my own way at the food court <laughs> and, and eat a meal, and a person behind me in line insisted, just absolutely was insisting to pay my meal for me. And I, I come from the bias of, but dude, I can pay. For my meal that's why i came here right yeah and I, and that's also why today is so specifically special because it's random acts of kindness day so paying it forward is one of the the easiest ways to do that paying for someone uh in line at timmy's is kind of like a typical example but that kind of thing so maybe if it were to happen today i'd be all on board but in other circumstances, I had not been and kind of took it personally that, uh, you know, I'm a person with a disability and that might be the biggest reason why I'm being asked to yeah. uh, forego paying. I understand. And, and, and it's all context, isn't it, Ramya? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I know uh, friends who use wheelchairs who say that sometimes somebody will come up, grab hold of the back of the wheelchair and decide to push obviously thinking that they're they're being helpful but they didn't ask yeah and it, it isn't welcome and it, it's invasive so yes. you have to be careful about your act of kindness you ask first you know are you okay with this i mean it's it's something simple like holding a door open for somebody wouldn't do it but i think what you described we need to think about it thank you yeah i mean always asking first it, it it goes a really long way, and especially if, you know, you're most likely coming from the assumption that somebody needs help, and they might not. But nonetheless, not to put a damper on Random Acts of Kindness Day, because as you said right off the top, Danielle, it's great for our mental health to be helpful, um, to see the spirit of being kind, and to appreciate other people's kindnesses and notice them as well. So thank you for indulging me in this conversation. Uh, we're going to take a break and come back to talk headlines with reporter Grant Hardy and we get to either tech or accessibility or health or lifestyle. We'll be back with that on Kelly and Ramia. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Friday afternoon here with Kelly and Ramya. Minus Kelly, because Danielle McLaughlin's filling in to end off the week with us. And uh, to get into some self-descriptions here, I am a brown woman with long black hair, and today it's straight. Sometimes it's a bit wavier. I'm also wearing a oversized jean jacket on top of a white blouse, and it's Makeup Free Friday for me. Danielle, a little bit on uh, who you are, what you're wearing. Uh I am a, a woman in my 70s. I have mostly white hair. I am wearing lipstick because I didn't know it was going to be makeup. Only for me. Friday, this is a, a self-decision. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm wearing a bright pink uh, blazer, and I've got a blue and white uh, horizontally striped shirt. So 
lots of colors today. Fabulous. And I, I felt the need. What can I say? But okay, here's the thing nobody gets to see, Ramya. The thing about working from home, I can keep my fuzzy slippers on. <laughs> And I commend you for doing so. Full Thank disclosure, I, I had to wear my snow boots today, and I kicked them off, so I'm in socks. See? Okay. It's really feeling like a Friday. That's wonderful. <laughs> well, hopefully it's feeling like a Friday for Grant Hardy. He's joining us now to talk headlines. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. Grant, happy Friday to you. How's it feeling? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. It is feeling like it's almost the weekend because it is, and I can promise that I have turned things down approximately 5,000% from... <laughs> Uh, Wednesday okay. and the difficult discussion that we had. Yes. Then significant, but definitely difficult. And uh, yeah, I know it, we've kind of made it an unofficial rule to make things feel light on Fridays here on the show. It's not always possible with Buzz with Bill coming up, but uh, we try. And Grant, you're three hours behind me and Danielle, so you're a little further to the weekend, but uh, nonetheless, just a little bit a little. before lunch. Reminds me of the. Fridays at school and just how fun and chill they used to be like in elementary school, you know, where you'd have, I don't know if you guys, had, we used to have the hot lunch on Friday, they'd come in and Ooh. it's cool because you, and unless they screwed up your order, it was cool because oh. you didn't have to bring in your own lunch and there were games and other little fun stuff. I wonder, I hope they still do that. Yeah. yeah I didn't days. get to go to a school like that. That Me sounds neither. wonderful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Goodness <laughs> sake. Yeah. They, they should do that in every school. That sounds like yeah. a really great way to open up the weekend. Mm -hmm. And like a write-off school. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Grant, what do you have All right, for us? guys. Uh, so got a couple of articles from uh, Well Plus Good. I kind of do some searching and pull stuff from a bunch of publications. So I thought, thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, there's so many old adages and old sayings, some of them that don't really have a lot of truth to them, but we've just kind of grown to accept them. Uh, but one saying that may actually have some truth in it, according to an MD, is feed a cold, starve a fever. The uh, adage comes all the way back from an entry written in 1574 by a man named John Withalls, according to Scientific uh, Amer American, who wrote, very simply, fasting is a great remedy for a fever. Uh, now, there's uh, quite a lot of debate amongst healthcare professionals about whether this is really true. But one pr uh, practitioner, a, a G, uh, MD, believes that it's true. They say by allowing the body to not fuel the infection, the body can fight it and do its job completely. Uh, so a fever is a temporary rise in body temperature above 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit, 38 degrees Celsius. Oh, it makes me feel hot just thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Typically, a normal temperature sits at around 97 Fahrenheit, 36.1 uh, Celsius or a little bit higher. Uh, when we have a cold or infection, our me metabolic rate uh, increases, causing a spike in temperature as our bodies start warding off the infection. Uh, so uh, she doesn't suggest uh, feeding a lot of solid foods to a fever, but uh, instead consuming 
fluids to keep the body hydrated, cool the temperature. Uh, also, because when you're sick, when you have something like a fever and a high temperature, fluids are one of those first things that you lose. So this old adage may actually be correct. They basically recommend a lot of fluids and a lot of rest. Hmm. Now, Grant, I, I remember... <laughs> I remember an argument with some friends where about that adage. Some people said that it meant um, you should feed a cold and starve a fever. And other people said it meant if you feed a cold, you will have to starve a fever. That, that by feeding by feeding a cold, you're going to bring on a fever. That was th those were the two ways of understanding oh, that, that adage. Now I don't know if either one of them is correct but i thought that's that was not, kind of interesting not where i thought you were going with that i thought you were <laughs> going to say in order for a cold to survive you have to feed it and, oh. <laughs> i don't know like some conspiracy to like keep our cold and fever hmm interesting hmm. just thought just, just uh you know in case you in case it wasn't confusing enough yeah i was gonna say i'm <laughs> definitely back at zero now with the confusion. Oh, no. But here, here's my question. Does it matter what fluid? Like, because you said well, Slurpee right at the end there. You squeeze that in. So I'm curious <laughs> about that. Like, can I have a slushy or a smoothie, or does it have to be soup and broth? Yeah, I, I'm kind of thinking, like, broth, uh, soup. Uh, you know, I think smoothie is a, a great idea. Probably the Slurpee that I have in mind is quite a bit less healthy. Um but I guess there's probably a little bit of there's a, maybe a little bit of a oh, how do I put this? I kind of have this idea that if you're sick but not too sick, it's sort of a good opportunity to treat yourself, like eat what you yeah, want. like ice cream. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> like I, ice cream. I mean, is a relatively light meal, really. Mm -hmm. and, Cold, and right? often, you know, if you've got a fever, you don't feel like eating things that have a lot of milk in them. So usually, they tell you to go for clear fluids, like yes. you know, chicken broth yeah. and uh, tea and things like that. But you know, I know families where when children have fevers and they refuse to eat, they'll give them anything. Yep. So oh, you know, gosh, chocolate yes. bars, whatever works, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely, can totally change the taste of uh, foods as right. well. So. Mm. Yeah, so I thought this one was kind of interesting. Uh, we're talking about empathy. Um, so the beauty of empathy is that it can spark all sorts of pro-social behaviors. When you can understand the feelings of another person, you're more likely to support and co uh, cooperate with them as well as for forgive them. Uh, and the cool thing that I actually didn't know is we sort of assume that some people are more naturally empathetic, and indeed there does appear to be a nature component, but empathy is also a quality that can be nurtured, and there are a couple mm -hmm. of ways you can develop it. One is empathetic curiosity, which is using your cognition to imagine what the world looks like from inside another person's uh, perspective. Uh, so there, and then there's another, uh, yeah, so this is uh, 
this is basically the, uh, the basis for empathetic curiosity just means your cognition is actively Im imagining what the world like looks like from another person's perspective. You can certainly look, learn how to become more empathetic from a cognitive standpoint. Uh, and uh, that can involve everything from just listening to someone, asking more open-ended questions, uh, and trying to be more curious rather than furious, and really focusing on this from a behavioral standpoint, which is actually something that I really like, because often I think in society, we're told pretty much ever ever since we're kids, I don't know if you were told this, but I always used to hear like, wipe that smirk off your face or, you know, put like, put your face into a better expression or come on, I would expect you to, you know, shed a few tears over this, what, mm. whatever it may be. But mm. it's actually much more like our actions and our behaviors that I think say who we truly are rather than our emotions that we maybe can't control as much but if you're able to use your cognition to be like you know i really don't necessarily see, like see eye to eye metaphorically with this person here uh but you know let me like use my curiosity to imagine what the world mm -hmm. might look like from their perspective or what they're dealing with i think that's an uh interesting way to to gain some social intimacy and understanding with someone Danielle, I'm yeah, curious you, about that for you because, and not to put you on the spot, but because our Know Your Rights segment with you and like you as a person are so curious and always exploring um, kind of the more difficult parts of conversations, you know, that, that many of us may be nervous or uh, just outright not willing to explore because we're so set in our opinions, our perspectives, our biases, whatever. And and yet I feel like you're someone who's so good at asking those questions. Well, thank, thank you very much, Ramya. I have to say that, you know, I like a good controversy. <laughs> I really <laughs> She does it for the drama. Why is that not surprising? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, there is an education program called Roots of Empathy Grant where they have actually shown that teaching empathy at a young age can reduce violence. And it, this yeah, program... total sense. ...which uh, introduces uh, grade school children to babies and little babies, mm. like, are brought into the classroom and the, the the older children get to spend time with the babies and of course most people you know when a baby starts to cry they they feel they feel concern right they want to they want to do something you know what can i do the baby's you know hungry or the baby has a wet diaper or something um and they start talking to children about What's this baby feeling? How do you think it feels to be this baby? Exactly what you were talking about, Grant. You know, as yeah. you know, what would it be like to be in? I mean, too small to wear shoes, but you know, right. to, to be in that person's position. Um, and I think that that really helps. And I, I find that you know, when I used to spend time in the classroom, making people listen to points of view that are different from uh -huh. their own without necessarily leaping on them to say, no, you're wrong, or that's not the right way to think about it. It, it just, it, it broadens your perspective and you can suddenly realize, oh, I see why you think that. I didn't understand, yeah. you know? I, I think yeah. empathy is, is, is really crucial for being able to live in communities of any sort. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find it pretty interesting that as a society, like there are certain perspectives that we're sort of quote unquote expected to have. Like a lot of people have this view that, you know, if you are a criminal, if you've done something uh, bad, even for nonviolent offenses mm-hmm. in the past, that we should all mm-hmm. sort of view that person as, you know, let's just lock Evil. them up and, you know, yeah. they don't matter, whatever it is. But like sometimes we've seen absolutely remarkable, like restorative justice yes. stories too, where people find out, like, wow, this person has actually had a lot of things happen in their life and that's shaped who they are and maybe explained why their path was a little bit more difficult than the path that you had. And maybe that's why they mm-hmm. made some yeah. of the decisions they made. Yeah. Or they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Too. Right. And um, in any yeah. given case, even if it is an active decision that somebody makes that is totally different from something you would make, uh, as we saw through the pandemic, so many examples of that. And as we see oh, in international wow. fairs every day, examples yes. where we disagree with something that's going on around the world, but it's, very powerfully progressive to be able to empathize um, through these bigger and more difficult problems or circumstances. Grant, thank you so much. How insightful. Thank you. Thank you, Grant. Grant Hardy joining us uh, to discuss headlines, and he brought us two items today. He usually brings us a couple of things to talk about Wednesdays and Fridays here on the show. After the break, we have our app update with John Beeler. We're talking Uber, some things that they're adding, and some other items. We'll be right back. This is Kelly and Ramia. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. We're back. This is Kelly and Ramia with myself, Ramia Amuthan, and Danielle McLaughlin filling in for Kelly on a Friday. And we're happy that you're here with us on a Friday. We're always having some meaningful conversation or another. And, of course, learning a lot. And we're here until 4 p.m. Eastern time. We have tons of things to look forward to until then. It's a good show. Right now, we're going to check in with John Beeler for our weekly app update. Hi, I'm John Bueller, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where I share the latest app, mobile, and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We cover the gamut. Hello, John. Hello. Hey, John, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Very well. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing about some of the things you brought for us today. But particularly your first topic, because many of us use Uber and we don't always feel 100% safe. And I understand you're going to tell us about Uber introducing an audio recording safety feature. How is that going to work? Yeah, this is already rolling out to the Uber app, so update if you haven't. And essentially what happens, this allows the driver and the passenger to both have their own audio recordings for the duration of the trip. And it's really simple to set up. You just go into the app, you select audio recording, and then you have to give your microphone permission so that it can actually record this uh, conversation or the the ride, if you will. And then um, the next time you go to do an Uber ride, it will automatically just do that. You just have to hit the start recording button. That's the only kind of downside. I kind of wish it was automatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting aspect about this is the driver and the passenger both have their own discrete audio recordings 
And as you mentioned off the top, it's a safety feature, uh, specifically because a lot of times people don't feel safe when they get into a stranger's car. And oftentimes these drivers have their own dash cams that record internally, but that's not anything that you can have access to directly if there's any kind of problem, dispute, uh, arguments, what have you. And so I think this is a great feature and it's completely free. Uh, follow up. Yeah, go ahead. Daniel, did you have okay? I wanted to ask when we can start the recording because you're you're paired up with the driver, right? And then there are several minutes when the driver is coming to find you. You're waiting for them, and then you get in the car and the ride actually starts. So, do we know, John? Do you know enough detail to know when the recording process can actually begin? Basically, once the trip has started, okay. so once you actually got in the vehicle, there should be a little blue shield on the map, and you can tap that, and that will let you start the recording. Um, so, But quite often, you know, sometimes these problems could arise before you even got into the vehicle. That's you're having a, where I was like, heading with that, yeah. Whether it's the right yeah. uh, driver, right vehicle, right passenger, all those kinds of things. Guide dogs. Um, That's, I was just about to ask that very question, Romy. I've heard of people who've been refused by Uber drivers because they have a guide dog yep yeah yeah the on the end of the record or the trip though it will uh keep recording until a so shortly after the trip ends so you don't have to go in and manually turn it off right john where does the recording live i who and who can get access to it that's a great question that i do not have all the answers for uh i believe it's recorded and stored within the app but there's no detail at this point whether it's you know saved in the cloud how how can you download it how can you use it later on if you need to for right. police whatever reasons you might need to do that for uh, it's a little unclear at this point but it's part of their safety toolkit so i think uh the information would probably be in that part of the app uh, once you've got it on your phone mm -hmm. okay thank you regardless i mean this is a, a very needed feature uh in uber as daniel pointed out so many of us use it so many different kinds of ride situations are available now you know shared rides not shared rides whatever so uh i think that this is very much long overdue i just wish we could start recording when we like pair when they pair the drivers up already you know you yeah. can do if you just use your own yeah yeah uh, that's so system. true and i know so many women who once they get into an uber will um make a phone call to a friend or family member and just keep that going mm -hmm. the whole time they're they're in the car just to make sure that somebody else knows what's happening absolutely so yeah john next item Google is to start rolling out privacy sandbox feature uh, sandbox feature very soon. Yeah, this is uh, was something originally um, reported to be sort of a replacement for you know the app tracking problem that we've seen in the past that Apple basically turned off with uh, their OS updates a few versions ago, where eff eff effectively you can't be tracked, profiles can't be created because you can opt out of those things. Well, Google has created something called the Privacy Sandbox, which doesn't actually replace any of that tracking that happens in, in Google, but it actually gives you a way of controlling the actual types of advertising that you're being targeted for by, and this is their terms, they're tracking you by your likes and your sort of your individual kind of um, uh, choices for things that you like. So topics, so interests, those kinds of things. So you, if there's a bunch of interests that say you uh, get lumped into, and you can see this within their sandbox uh, application, uh, you can actually opt out of those. So you won't get ads for those types of things. 
you know, because quite often sometimes we'll be, uh, you know, surfing for something or chatting with friends. And then all of a sudden you're getting nothing but ads for this one thing that you looked up for one second for a friend that's mm -hmm. not even up to so, you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And now you're going to get it forever, right? So now you have the ability, which I actually quite like this feature, to go in and say, okay, well, anyone interested in handbags or e-bikes or whatever, you can actually turn that uh, add type off uh, under your interest listings. So uh, like I said, this doesn't replace any of these ad tracking stuff. They're still going to be uh, tracking you as much as they can to build those profiles and sell you advertising uh, or sell advertising targeted at you based on that profile. So that's not going to change, but I do like the ability to sort of better customize it. I don't mind targeted advertising because it's targeted for what I want. I just want the ability to get out of something, especially the most annoying thing that I think you guys will all agree is when you buy something and then you get nothing but ads for the yes. thing you just bought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Pointless. it really is. Especially when you find out that somebody else is selling it cheaper, <laughs> then, then it's even more annoying, right? That is the, that's the sting right there, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, I, sorry, just before we move on, I yeah. wanted to mention that, you know, this is, it just doesn't cut it for me at all. I, Apple has kind of created a baseline for me in terms of opting out automatically and then if you're interested opt in right we're seeing this across the platform john in various circumstances advertisements um i don't know just notifications whatever it may be location services whatever apps and platforms want from you it's much easier to opt in later because you've had that conversation with yourself and you're saying, I actually do want these notifications. I do want them to track me. I do want these catered ads, but I don't like no other platforms are doing this. And this may sound like a great opportunity with the, the Google sandbox, but to me, it's like not where I'd like it to be. You're well, so right, Robbie. I, I mean, sorry, I, I think that I was just going to say, I think the default should be leave me alone. Yes. I'll let you know if I want anything. So but what I do, guess what do you... the, the flip side of that is we're mostly using free platforms. Oh, that's right? true. So, yeah. Uh, so you got to pay the piper somehow. Um, but unfortunately, this is only going to get worse in the coming year or so. Google has other plans to basically even eradicate the use of ad blockers because of the way they're going to be tracking you. Ugh. So. Uh, ad blocking tools that people put in place to have a better quality of life when they're navigating the internet uh, will effectively stop working. Are you seeing oh, a stark dear. difference between, you know, Google and Apple as the two main examples right now? I don't know if you want to throw any other players in there, but stark difference in their approaches to privacy yeah. and security? Well, the, the key thing is Google's business model is advertising and targeted advertising. Apple's is not. Apple's is hardware and subscription services. Yep. yep. So, yep. That's the simple line. If you want to look on the Windows side of things, you know, Microsoft is doing a lot of integrations with Bing and other things like that that are still bringing advertising into these things that you're getting to use. But it doesn't seem to be as obnoxious as some of the Google stuff. Yeah, agreed. Good point. Okay. And your final topic, uh, Android 14 is going to include a feature to allow convert and transfer eSIMs. Yeah, this is a really interesting thing that's currently in beta development right now, where you have the ability to transfer and convert an existing SIM into an eSIM. And this is something we haven't seen on, on any other platform yet. And it, it's something that's going to take a lot of buy-in from the carriers to allow and, and to work properly. But I think it's a really interesting way because uh, this past year, in the US at least, Apple stopped 
including a SIM card slot in their phones. They're strictly eSIMs only. And I, I can understand why for a couple of reasons. One is it takes up less hardware because you don't need a physical SIM and a slot and everything else. So they can have more room for other things in there. And then also it just means you don't have to go somewhere or get a SIM card. You can just literally just go to a website, click a link, and you've got cell service. Uh, which is fantastically simple to use. And especially when you're traveling, having multiple SIM cards installed virtually instead of having to physically swap them is much more mm. convenient. Yeah. Um, so Android having this functionality so you can actually like upgrade from a physical SIM to uh, a new eSIM uh, seems really great. The other thing that hasn't really been addressed by a lot of uh, the eSIM uh, people out there or people that use eSIMs is what do you do if you get a new phone? Because sometimes these eSIMs, they, they're basically a, a one and done kind of usage. So once they're installed, you have to get a new one. And it'd be nice if you could actually just transfer that eSIM to your new device automatically when you're sort of upgrading your phone and that type of thing. And that's something that Android's also working on integrating as well. But they, it doesn't exist right now? No, it's still a beta, and it's something that's part of the beta experiences that developers are going through with Android 14. Um, but maybe by the time Android 14 really hits the mainstream, or maybe more likely Android 15, because like I said, it does have a requirement for the carriers to buy into this. So this might be something that's rolled out on a country-by-country -country basis as opposed to something just globally available. Anything on the uh, ability to hack eSIMs or your thoughts on that side of things? Important um, question. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't heard too much about it. Uh, the thing is, nothing is 100% foolproof. Um, yeah. the, the, the nice thing about a physical SIM card is that that has a unique code number on it. But really, all it is is it's an identifier saying, this is my unique serial number. That could easily just be a digital text file, mm -hmm. you know, which is essentially what a, a, an eSIM is. So it, it's really not that different because essentially you're still just a number in the system and that number in the system knows how to bill you, what services you're entitled to, all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's less important than the actual backend systems that it's talking to. I guess, yeah, and that, that's a fair point. It's just, I think whenever something physical goes digital, I, I tend to go towards, oh, but now it's much more easily compromised. You know, that, that information will go out there. Now, if you're saying it's not that important, if the information does get out there, that's one thing. But the chances of it are still bigger. Well, my understanding is that once a SIM card, an eSIM is installed, it can't be installed again, which is this whole transferring functionality that's neat. So if someone was able to physically copy your physical SIM card, uh, that is something that they would do. It's called SIM jacking, and they mm -hmm. basically would clone your SIM card. Uh, an eSIM is like kind of like an Apple Pay token. It's uh, it's one only one use. Um, and once it's installed, it can't be migrated anywhere else. That's what they're trying to figure out. How can we do this to allow that functionality and make it easier for the customer experience? Right. I guess they have to figure out how you can transfer it to a different phone without it becoming universally available to whoever would like yeah. to uh, hack into your phone. So yeah, that's pretty I, I think you're onto something though. I, I, I suspect the next big wave of cell hacking will be eSIM hacking yeah. for sure. Yeah. If, if, if you can think of it, someone will do it right it's definitely got a ring exactly. to it <laughs> yes <laughs> well thank you so much john very interesting today always great to talk to you lovely to talk to you john bueller will be back next friday with our weekly app update
I always um, think about, you know, these transitions, they're still happening, right, Danielle? Like, we live in such a digital world, and yet there are things that are, at the moment, still quite physical uh, material. And so yes, anytime there's a transfer well, into the digital world. And, and you, you know, we always know that the uh, almost always the use of any new technology will, will be criminal. So somebody's, <laughs> yep. somebody's going to work it out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're taking a break from this conversation, but we'll be right back in two minutes. We have the buzz with Bill Shackleton. That's to Keep end off the first hour. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. And Ramia here on a Friday afternoon. Thanks for joining us. 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time is the live show. And of course, you can catch some repeats. 10 p.m. is the Eastern is the repeat on AMI TV. And every eight hours, we are on AMI audio as part of that eight hour rotation. Danielle McLaughlin is joining me this Friday. And Danielle, I know I'm being a little preemptive because we're going to talk gardening in a in a, the second hour, but I wanted to ask you because you said something on the way out of the break. So, do you have artificial plants? We know you have many real plants. Oh no, I don't have any artificial ones. Although on my street, there are people who I think have gotten desperate during the winter and they started sticking plastic flowers in their gardens <laughs> because they, just anything, anything. But uh, no, I I just have the real the real deal. Even, some of them look a little tired, but most of them yeah. are the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. And we'll get into lots more plant talk with Gardner Susan Kearney in a bit. But right now, let's have the buzz with Bill Shackleton. Bill joins us at the end of the first hour on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And he brings us several topics to ponder over and maybe have some controversies on. Danielle's favorite. Billy, <laughs> nice to have you on a Friday. Good to be here. Awesome. What do you have for us? Any Danielle topics today? <laughs> no, I don't know. Okay. But I think the controversies? Um, no, actually wow. no controversies either, but interesting. Maybe articles. next week. Maybe <laughs> next week. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I want to do a quick recall uh, first, and I guess recalls are important. So this one is um, the Canadian... Canadian cheddar cheese recall due oh, to yeah. possible oh. hysteria. I don't know if we, whether you guys know this or not, but it's the 250 gram. I guess it's, they didn't say whether it's a, it's a, I'm assuming it's a block of cheese that PC makes with a PC too. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Okay. Best before date, August 24th, 2023. If you have that, they recommend you take it to the store um, or get a refund or whatever. So, so far, there's no, you know, <clears throat> I believe there hasn't been any cases, but it's probably better to be safe than sorry. Have either yeah. of you ever taken back products for recalls? No. I, I've thrown stuff out. I've never oh, taken yeah. it back. Yeah. But it's interesting because listeriosis, which is the disease you get from listeria contamination, can be really serious. I mean, you can yeah. end up in a hospital. Oh, you yeah. don't want to mess around with that. It's nasty. And it's particularly dangerous for older people and little ones. Um, you know, their their immune systems aren't quite 
as uh, strong. So you're going to want to make sure that if you have that PC brand Canadian cheddar at 250 grams, and you said it's the best before date, August 24th, 2023. I believe I, that's, yeah. Which okay. sounds like a really late expired. Like, am I tripping? Yeah. Is that a long time for cheese? Um, cheddar takes a long time to mature. So no, it's not that okay. unusual. As long as you don't open it. Oh, okay. Well, it, yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Different. Usually my cheese is done, done, like in a week. Well, so. we eat a lot of cheese around here. In fact, <laughs> I... I I have a grandchild who we, we've said, you know, if, if we melt cheese on them, you'd eat your boots, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Big fan cheese of cheese. is just that good. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Billy. Okay, we're going to get to this one. This is really interesting. At 103, Sister Jean publishes memoir on faith and basketball hmm. from Associated Press. This is really interesting. This woman gets up at 5 a.m. every day, um, says her prayers, reads the gospel on her tablet. She is very technically inclined at that age. Very interesting life. She basically believes that um, she teaches people, students, particularly young people, that they that they have a purpose in life and that that they should get up and and get a purpose and 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 you know enjoy life and and she's willing to teach what she's learned so basically in 1919 she was born in chicago and or actually san francisco and she has witnessed world war ii she's witnessed the, the opening of the golden gate bridge which she walked in 1937 wow. um she's really something um, in the 1960s, she um, ended up at Mondelein, uh, it's Mondelein College, which became associated with Loyola University in 1991. And But she became a sports celebrity um, because she, when she, you know, she helped the Loyola team, uh, basketball, men's basketball team win in 2000. Uh, be, she was in, in the Final Four in 2018 and at her press conference she had more you know uh more press than tom brady had it when when he won the super bowl <laughs> which is kind of interesting she deserves it yeah, yeah. um wow. she then helped um students with the when when the college transitioned to loyola university with their you know transition you know with the transition period in 1994 helped students boost their grades and they used to call her the um the boost the grade booster the booster shooter because yeah. she, because of her basketball and she became chaplain of the team that same year so quite quite a woman really i mean she's accomplished a lot and when you read the article, students had nothing but good things to say about her. She sounds wonderful. Quite a character, too. Yeah. Right? What yeah, hasn't really. she done? My goodness. Yeah, that, that's, um, I know. I mean, and, and when you've lived over a century, it's like yeah. there's, there's just so much to have done, you know? it. I, I can never, even now, wrap my head around some a statement like when she was born in 19... 
19. Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. She's yeah. seen a lot of a lot of the the world go by, hasn't she? Mm -hmm. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Okay, Billy. We do a third story. This yeah. is something on the Rideau Canal. Rideau ah. Rink. Yeah. Rideau Rink remains closed. Um, yes. It's actually the earliest, the latest, the the latest it's ever opened is February. Second, 2002. So you can tell what that means. It's an example of, you know, how climate change is, is you know, changing our weather patterns. Wait, say that again, Billy. The latest it was open the, or, in the season was 2020 or 2002? Yeah, that that's, that's, or is it the earliest? Or No, I the, think that's the, the latest. The latest so far. Yeah, okay. the latest yes. so far. Ever since they opened the canal in 1970, yeah. they, I yeah. mean, I remember times when it was open in November because the weather had been so cold That's right. for yeah. so long. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it, it, they haven't opened it yet, and we're not already yet. past the middle yeah. of uh, February. Gosh. So it may not open at all, is what we're well, thinking. They're saying they're saying it may not open, and you know how big the Rideau Canal is. Um, it's yeah. it's basically a 7.8 kilometer rink but it draws tons of people from all over europe and all over the all over this country and all over the world mm -hmm. and there are people that have planned their trips for months um oh, and i never even pay, thought of so that Oof. yeah so you, you go over there you come over to this country and hope that when you get there the thing is open but it's not going to be yeah um <clears throat> there is well it may not be even though temperatures are going to drop in the next couple of days yeah, maybe they'll get one day because there were several years where it was just open for a couple days, right? Is that right? Yeah, I, I didn't know one or two days because it really does depend on the weather, uh, the and not just the weather of the day, but the weather leading up to the day. Yeah, that it yeah. opens. You know, interestingly, Ottawa is the coldest na national capital in the world. So you'd think that you know, if if the coldest national capital yes. in the world can't open yeah. its uh, skating rink. Something's happening. Yeah, that's perspective, right? Yeah. It, it, yeah, well, the, as a spokesman pointed out, a, a spokesperson pointed out, there is a skating rink near City Hall that you can skate, but it's not like the Rideau Canal, right? No, and yeah. this is a different implication. Like when we're talking oh, yeah. about the Rideau Canal, we're talking about climate change, like in my yeah, my opinion, sure. right? Like, yeah, I think. Looks the patterns, like yeah, the patterns of weather and, and why this, you know, natural body of water can't be open for skating and it won't freeze over enough or long enough to be skated on. That's much more concerning than just a tourism trip. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I guess we'll have to start thinking about the Tulip Festival instead of the <laughs> skating on the Rio Canal. Yeah. Well, I thought it was good for a lot, but whoa. It is. Yeah. Maybe it won't be too cold for the Tulip Festival. I hope not. I hope not. Do we know uh, when that is, by the way? Well, it's. I'll tell you that, and I know we're going to be talking gardens again quite soon, but um, I've already begun to see bulbs coming up in my garden, and that's very, very early this year. So it could be that the tulip festival will will happen, you know, weeks earlier than it normally does. Normally, it's in May, I think, but uh, it could happen in April if the warming trend keeps up. Wow! Yeah. Do Very. either of you skate, or when was the last time you had, or have a you? A long ever? time ago. 
Yeah. I've never think... I've never been on the Rideau Canal and I'd be interested to know if there's any vision impaired people, is it a long, narrow thing and do you need a guide or I don't know how that works. Well, I... it's 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 the canal, so it's you know um, big enough for boats to pass each other. Uh, you know when when there's no ice, so it's. But I would, I would imagine that if if there are uh, low vision uh, skating groups, that that they would have, you know, some some way of making sure you're going in the right direction. But it's it's a long a long route. I mean, there were people who I knew who lived in Ottawa who would skate to work. Yes, you you know yes. they would just you know put their skates on, put their shoes in their backpack, and then uh, a skate large to work. percentage of people, Danielle, still yeah. do it. Well, so you're missing year. out exactly. You're missing <laughs> out on the transportation aspect of it That's too. That's right. Yeah, Oof. That's I will say fun. I went to uh, Ottawa for a couple of days at the start of the year, and I took my skates. I kept my fingers crossed very tightly, but no, the canal was not open. No. We no. talked about it on a, the, the walking tour, but unfortunately, no. No, that's a shame, really, because that's, that's really definitely yeah. one of the highlights, really. I, it would yeah. be, yeah. And also, I believe that there are booths that sell hot chocolate and beaver tails right on Along the ice. Yeah. 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 Mm. Especially and during can... their winterlude, right? Like it's just right. the highlight. Yeah. So that that and that 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 must be meaningful as far as tourist dollars are concerned. I would think. And I I I, I just went from Toronto. I can't imagine, you know, from all the way around the world coming in to see the to skate on or to just hang out with the Rideau Canal and not having the opportunity. Well, especially, you know, that the Americans sucks. who come up in August with their skis because they think it's always so cold. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. <laughs> they're, feel bad they're for them for the nasty, most. Yes, right. In in for a nasty surprise. <laughs> it's really, <funny>. August. <laughs> yes, I have. I have heard of it, and I've actually seen it once or twice because they uh, think, oh, Canada. That's a cold country. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so cold. Yeah. <laughs> Billy, thank you so much. Oh, thanks a lot. We'll chat with you uh, next week, Wednesday. Next. You've been forewarned. Mm -hmm. Danielle's going to be here. Just saying. Oh, okay. I... Forewarned, forearmed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm already looking forward to talking to you on Wednesday, Billy. Awesome. Good. All right. Take care. Bill Shackleton joining us on The Buzz with Bill. Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays he joins us. And also you can check out the podcast, Best of the Buzz, which we release on AMI-audio, um, which is just basically a, a compilation of the best of the bill. Buzz with Bills every month. Next hour of Kelly and Romeo. Let's see what we got to talk about. We have Ryan Huey joining us on the Chatty Bookshelf, and he's telling us about a new and trending book review website, and this one's intended for teens and children. We also have Cut for Time. This is where we comment on segments and conversations from the past week, and that's going to be with myself, Danielle, and Grant. But after the break, we have Grant, I'm sorry, Gardener Susan Kearney joining us to talk plant families and their surprising relatives. We'll be right back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.
Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.